اشحد اللہ وقتہ اللہ شریک اشحد محمد اللہ من الشیطان الرجیم بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم Um, and the Bible, uh, in fact it's called the, the, the Muslim and Jewish and Christian scriptures. And um, last week we were studying the comparative story of Cain and Abel as related in the uh, Old Testament in Genesis and as related in the uh, in 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 the holy quran and um, <clears throat> something struck me when i was doing a comparative study and in in fact uh, um mudassir had pointed this out that muslims at the end of this story is a verse of the holy quran and muslims always say that this is a teaching of islam uh, but they always omit the first few words of this verse which says that uh, and God commanded the Israelites uh, I will recite the verse in a minute so he said you know th- this is a command of uh, to, to Israelites and Muslims always uh, leave those words out um, but I what I want you to remember in dealing with this story is that it deals with the the first murder that took place on this earth this was a dispute that went on between the two brothers and one killed the other and according to the holy quran the first commandment that was sent down when God says and the Israelites were taught that God is actually reminding them that the first commandment he sent down was that the murder of uh, one human being is akin to murder of the whole of humanity with that preamble let me then uh, start with the the verses of the the verse of the holy quran <coughs> من اجل کتبنا على بني اسرائيل انه من قتل نفسا نفسا بغير نفس او فساد في الارض جمی 
For this reason, and the reason refers back to the fight between Cain and Abel. For this reason, we preached, for this reason, we prescribed for the children of Israel that whoever kills a person, unless it be for manslaughter or for mischief in the land, it is as though he has killed all men. And whoever saves a life, it is as if, it is as though he had saved the lives of all men. And certainly our messengers came to them with clear arguments. But even after that, many of them commit ex excess in land. So as I said, this follows the story of Cain and Abel as given in the Holy Quran. Now, let's look at what the Old Testament says about the story of uh, <clears throat> Cain and Abel. It's in uh, Genesis chapter 4 verses 1 to 16 and this is the revised standard version translation. And it says, now the man knew his wife and she conceived and bore Cain saying, I have produced a man with the help of the Lord. Next she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain a tiller of the ground. In the course of time Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground and Abel for his part brought of the firstlings of his flock their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is lurking at the door. Its desire is for you but you must master it. Cain said to his brother Abel, Let's, let us go, to, go out to the field. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is your brother Abel? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? The famous saying that is frequently used. And the Lord said, What have you done? Listen, your brothers, these are words worth listening to. What have you done? Listen, your brothers' bloods are crying. Not your brothers' blood, your brothers' bloods are crying. So, in Hebrew, plural has been used. Your brothers' bloods are crying out to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's bloods, your brother's bloods from your hand. 
When you till the ground, it will no longer yield to you its strength. You will be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Today you have driven me away from the soil, and I shall be hidden from your face, and I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth, and anyone who meets me may kill me. Then the Lord said, Not so. Whoever kills Cain will suffer a sevenfold vengeance. And the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one would come upon him, so that no one who came upon him would kill him. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled and, and, and uh, so on. Now, I emphasized here that the word that is used in Hebrew is bloods and not blood. Now, the thing is, you see, that um, what does bloods mean? And this is explained not in the Old Testament, but we find it in Mishnah. And uh, in English the term blood, like water or many other non-countable things, is usually rendered as singular. This is not always the case in the Bible's original Hebrew, which sometimes employs the term blood dam in Hebrew, in the singular, and sometime, sometimes the term bloods, damim, in the plural. In the Mishnah, the foundational text of rabbinic Judaism, which was edited around the turn of the third century, the rabbis commented on the biblical story of Cain and Abel in Mishnah, Sanhedrin 4.5. We learn the following about a man guilty for the death of another. In case of <coughs> in case of a wrongful witness in a capital sentence, the man who caused the unjust execution has the answer not only for the life of the victim, not only for the life of the victim, but also for the lives of the victim's unborn posterity. So we have found it with Cain that slew his brother, for it is written in Genesis, I'm reading from Mishnah here, the biblical, uh, the, 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 the commentary, rabbinical commentary. For we have found it with Cain that slew his brother, for it is written that the bloods of your brother cry, it is not the blood of thy brother, but the bloods of thy brother. His brother, his blood, his brother's blood, <coughs> and the blood of his posterity. So by killing his brother, he not only killed him, but all the children down to the end of time that he could have had. Therefore, but a single man was created in the world to teach that if any man has caused a single soul to perish, the scripture imputes to him as though he had caused a whole world to perish. If any man, if any man saves a life, if any man saves alive a single soul, 
scripture imputes it to him as though he had saved alive the whole world. Because one person has been saved and he is going to go on to have kids. Who will have children? And so it will go on until the end of time. The rabbis here read much into the story of Cain and Abel that does not obviously seem intended by Bible. This is the, the lecturer saying that. The narrative about Cain and Abel involves the death of one man alone and not the entire world. The Bible moreover simply uses the plural of blood as one of the grammatical options available in Hebrew. At the same time, however, the rabbis seem to grasp something very important about the narrative's symbolic importance in its depiction of the primordial murder. <clears throat> so, and I shall be taken from your face and, and, and so on and so forth, it, it, it goes on. Um, now, this is very interesting, you see, because the Holy Quran says, for this reason, we prescribed for the children of Israel. Whoever kills a man, he commits genocide. But this is not actually in the Old Testament. The Old Testament may allude to it. It uses the word blood, bloods rather than blood. But then, as the, uh, the, uh, the professor said, that sometimes uh, um, Plural is used without it meaning anything more. But it's the rabbinical literature that says, that explains, the commentary on this that explains that um, uh, what is, why the plural is used. And as I said, and I read out, that plural is used because you kill one man, that means that, in effect, you've killed his children, his grandchildren, his great-grandchildren, all the way down to eternity. So why is this not in the Old Testament? And the Quran says, for this reason, we prescribed for the children of Israel. Having given the story of Cain and Abel, it then says, and a Muslim, many Muslims will say, well, uh, you know, Jews have uh, edited the Bible, the Old Testament, they've taken it out, etc. Well, <clears throat> admittedly, there have been changes in the Old Testament and the New Testament, many of them arising from translations. For example, you know, the famous thing, a young girl will bear a son becomes a virgin will bear a son. And the two are not actually synonymous. It's not the same thing. Uh, a nun may be 70 years old, but he'll still, she'll still be a virgin. And the reverse may not, uh, may not apply. If you say, for example, where the Holy Prophet prophecies related to the Holy Prophet uh, are concerned, that there are changes at those points, then you can understand that. There is a purpose to making that change. 
And what's the purpose? Well, Muslims take those verses from the Old Testament and the New Testament and they say, well, look, here the Holy Prophet Muhammad is prophesied in the Testaments and uh, you refuse to accept it. So there is a purpose. You can understand that why it may be that the uh, um, some changes have been made, maybe in the translation, maybe a different translation is used, maybe punctuation is changed and so on. But what would anyone gain by removing this specific verse from the Old Testament, from Genesis? Nothing. Nothing at all. What I'm pointing out to you is this. If you carry on, this verse of the Holy Quran says, and certainly our messengers came to them with clear arguments. But even after that, many of them commit excess in the land. Now you see, what I'm saying to you is this, that just like in Islam, Mujaddids appeared to remove misunderstandings from Muslims. And there are hundreds of places where Jamaat Ahmadi al Lahore corrects the beliefs and practices of uh, ordinary, particularly Sunni Muslims. And I went through some of them um, at uh, the last uh, Sunday meeting. So just like in Islam, these people appear. The same thing was happening in Judaism. That divinely inspired teachers appeared amongst the Israelites. They weren't regarded as prophets. They weren't Nabi, they weren't regarded as prophets. For a start, you don't find their books in the Old Testament. But their knowledge was from God's, from, from God. It was God's knowledge. It was God's teaching that they brought. And this is why this verse refers to, for this reasons we prescribe for the children of, children of Israel, etc. Whoever that rabbi was, that part of the rabbinical literature has found its way into the Holy Quran because that was a God-inspired interpretation of why in Genesis uh, the word bloods has been used rather than the word blood. And I believe that at the end of the verse when God says and certainly our messengers came to them that includes the prophets like Moses and Abraham and Isaac and, and, and David and Jacob and so on there's a long list who appeared amongst the uh, Israelites but it also includes the term here messengers also includes 
divinely inspired teachers who did not bring a book, whose job it was simply to explain the teaching of the Old Testament to the Israelites. So this verse includes both of them. Prophets we know about. We have their books in the Old Testament. The Holy Quran mentions them. But others are not mentioned in the Holy Quran and they are not mentioned in the Old Testament. But we do have access to the old rabbinical literature. Now there must be some reason why the Holy Quran would, in, would include in it a teaching that is not in the scripture of the Jews or the Christians and say, I told Israelites this. The only reason God would say, I told Israelites this, is that even though the teaching is not found in the Old Testament, the teaching itself was divinely inspired. And we see this in uh, uh, the writings of the, uh, the Muslim Messiah, Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmed Sahib, who also interpreted the verses of the uh, uh, Holy Quran to remove misconceptions from the minds of the Muslims. And if later on no prophet can come, of course, now. But at that time there was the possibility until Jesus came that a prophet will come. And this is what the Quran says, that the correct teaching sent to all the religions wherein are found pure pages. What are pure pages? The correct teaching that was sent down. It doesn't necessarily mean that you will find that teaching in the Old Testament. So I just thought, this, this occurred to me when I did a comparative study of the, uh, the story in the Old Testament and the New Testament and uh, uh, I just thought I'd share it with you. As I always say, these are my personal thoughts. You may or may not agree with them. But the fact that the Quran says we taught this and it's not in the Bible. So that means there were other inspired teachers that were sent to lead, to guide the Israelites. And if Israelites, then why not other people? Why not Hindus? Why not Chinese? Why not Red Indians? Why not Aborigines? Why not Africans? Why limit it to Israelites? <clears throat> so that is some food for thought, I, I hope, for you today's khutbah.